You're listening to ACB Radio Live Event. Coming up, Accessible Smart Home. Did somebody leave the door unlocked? Wondering if the lights are on? Want to adjust the thermostat or brew the coffee while still in bed? We've got the solution. In this 90-minute presentation, you'll learn about HomeKit, Apple's home automation platform, discuss various home automation concepts, specific home and home security devices, and ways to automate your home, and various smart speakers like the HomePod, Amazon Echo, and more. All presented from the perspective of a full-time voiceover user, Matt Volbricht, certified Apple teacher, will share how to make your home work for you. You're listening to ACB Radio Live Event. Let's join the conversation. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to um, to another awesome training with Matt Volbrecht. And today we are going to be talking all about how to make our, our homes more accessible. The accessible home um, using using Apple products. Just as a um, FYI, for those of you who are coming in on Zoom, as I've said before, you're muted. And when it's time to ask questions, um, we will definitely let you know and know how to do it. Also, welcome, ACB Radio. We're looking really, really forward to this. Um, so without further ado, here you go, Matt. It's all yours. All right. Well, thank you so much once again, Cindy and everyone. I really appreciate the uh, opportunity to share this information, and uh, I, I can basically um, say, well, first of all, welcome to everyone. Uh, beautiful day, at least in our uh, neck of the woods here. Um, I can honestly say that this is something that has truly revolutionized the smart home concept and the smart home experience for everybody, and it can be especially beneficial to those of us who are blind, visually impaired, what have you. I want to kind of start out by just giving you some basic uh, terms so we can learn a little bit of the language about this before I talk about the incredible things that you can do with your um, smart home with Apple products. And, and uh, that way you will understand a little bit of what we're talking about and also you'll have an idea of just why this is so awesome and so revolutionary. Now, if you have heard of smart homes prior to the days of uh, Apple's products, Apple's HomeKit platform, which we'll define that in a moment, um, you know that before all of that, setting up any kind of a smart home system or home automation system was a massively complicated, massively technical, and massively expensive proposition. It required professionals to set it up, really, and it required a lot of devices being hardwired to one another. You had to have what was known as a hub or a home hub, and that hub acted as kind of the brains of the entire system. Now, what typically happens is that home hub connected to the internet and then all the other devices around your home that made the home smart, whether it was thermostats or lights or other things, those devices would communicate only with the hub. And it created a, a sort of an in-home network known as the Internet of Things. This is traditional home automation. And it's often very expensive. 
And as I said, it requires professional technicians to set it up and to uh, perform any kind of maintenance that you might need on it. So you could easily be looking at thousands of dollars just to get a smart home up and running. But we've all marveled, right, at the concept of the smart home. We've all wanted to be able to walk into our home and automatically have the temperature adjust to what we want it to be, have the lights turn on, have our, our music of choice start playing, maybe even have uh, you know, uh, the crock pot or the, the pot of tea or a coffee or something start in the mornings. You know, we've all wanted our homes to be able to do this, to sort of work for us. And it's just that it was a very elusive thing because it was so expensive. Apple has completely revolutionized all that with its HomeKit platform. Now, I want to be very quick up front to talk about how HomeKit differs from what a lot of the other stuff that's going on in the smart home arena right now um, from some of the competitors. Because a lot of people say, you know, oh, well, I don't, I don't have Apple products, but I have a Google Home or I have an Amazon Echo, so I have, you know, smart home. There's actually a pretty vast difference. So the, the systems like Google Assistant that work with Google Home and other devices and uh, of course, the lady whose name I won't say, or we may summon various ones around <laughs> around the nation. Uh, but uh, the lady whose name starts with an A, with the Echo, you know, th those platforms do in fact link various smart home accounts together to allow you to create some degree of automations. And and as time has progressed, they have gotten richer and richer with their features and their capabilities when it comes to automation. But Apple's HomeKit platform is completely different because Apple's HomeKit platform does not use account linking as its method of uh, integrating into the smart home. It actually is, HomeKit actually is a home automation platform. Now, in order to be a platform, you have to offer some form of protocol for your devices to communicate with each other. And I told you we would talk a little about the language. I'm not going to make this real complicated, but just so you know these terms if you hear them. Um, there, there's, uh, there's Zigbee and there's Z-Wave. Those are two of the most common home automation uh, communications protocols, okay? So remember I said your home hub would access the internet and the other devices would not, but they would access the hub. Well, that's the, those are the protocols, Zigbee, Z-Wave. There's one or two other ones. Uh, but those are the two most common ones that a lot of um, home automation platforms use. So in order for this to be a platform, it has to adopt some form of uh, communications protocol. And the other thing that it has to have is it has to have the ability for you to work directly with it, either through a home hub or in some other way. So as you might expect, as is often the case, Apple completely revolutionized things here, decided to sort of chart their own path through the waters of home automation in order to create something that is extremely powerful and yet super simple. And so they've called it HomeKit. Now, the first question, what is the, what is the communications protocol that they use? Well, this is really cool. For HomeKit, we're not going to use Zigbee. We're not going to use Z-Wave, these things that most of us have never heard of unless we've de dealt with home automation. No, we're going to use Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. It's stuff that everybody has, 
It's built right into our smartphones, our tablets, our other devices. And it works with the existing equipment in our homes. And so because we're using Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, we don't need a home hub. The devices that we add to our home, the accessories, lights, locks, thermostats, we'll talk about what they are in a little while, they can communicate directly with the internet now over those Wi-Fi and, and Bluetooth protocols. And specifically for those who really want to know, it's Bluetooth low energy. Okay, that's the, the specific one. So we are talking about a much easier system to set up. Doesn't require complex communication protocols. Doesn't require um, home hubs, anything like that. Now, if we want to talk about how are we going to interact with it then, well, we're going to interact directly with the devices we already have, right? Our iPads, our iPhones. Um, we're going to use our voice with Siri. We're going to be able to communicate in ways that we already know and are already using for other things on our devices. Now, if we do, in fact, want to have some of the more advanced features of home automation, particularly the automations themselves, which I'll explain what those are in a little bit, but if we want to have automations, then we do need something in the home to bring all of this together. So remember I said all these devices, a light, a thermostat, a door lock, it can all communicate now directly with the internet and directly with our phones, our iPads, whatever, through Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. But there also now needs to be a way for those devices to communicate with each other. So there needs to be a central brain if you're going to do more advanced tasks than just telling Siri to turn the lights off. And the answer to that is we do need some kind of home hub. But again, Apple's done it completely differently than anybody else. Here's the really cool part. The home hub for Apple's HomeKit platform is, again, devices that you either already have or that if you purchase them, you're going to get a number of other benefits besides just home hub benefits. So the home hubs in the Apple HomeKit platform are the Apple TV. Those of you who attended last week or listened on ACB radio, you know we extensively discussed how beneficial the Apple TV can be, cord cutting and, and TV streaming and so on. And so the Apple TV is automatically a home hub when you sign into your iCloud account, your Apple account. The HomePod, Apple's smart speaker, which we'll talk about a bit later, is another home hub. And in a pinch, an iPad can serve as a home hub if you don't have or don't want to get any other devices. Now, the reason I say in a pinch, I'm not a fan of doing it that way because the iPad, in order to truly work as a home hub, would have to stay in your home 24-7 and would basically have to stay connected to power because if it runs out of power, it's not able to be a home hub. So it really defeats the primary purposes, I think, for which the iPad was designed. But it does do the job if it needs to. I have a, a, a customer and a friend of mine specifically who uh, I can think of that this works for because he is getting into home automation. He is going to get an Apple TV and cut the cord, but he's just not ready to do that yet. He's just, you know, taking baby steps. And so until that time, he doesn't have a home hub, but he just got a new iPad and he had an old one that's still functioning. And it's not that old. It's current enough to run iPad OS and all of these things. And so I said to him, I said, well, Fred, just, just use this old iPad 
We don't even have to mess with the Apple TV then until you're ready. Just leave this one at home, take your new one with you when you travel and you're good to go. And that's exactly what he does. So it can work for people and it does work, but uh, it's not my first recommendation as to how to do it. So those are the home hubs, Apple TV, HomePod, iPad, communicating through Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. And the possibilities with Apple's HomeKit platform are just incredible. And so I want to talk about the kinds of products, the kinds of accessories that we can automate our home with, and then we'll take a little break and ask questions or answer questions, I guess, and we'll come back and uh, talk about how to really make this work for you with automations and stuff like that. So what are the kinds of devices we can put in and around our home if we truly want to automate? And the nice thing with HomeKit is we don't have to do it all at once. We can do it a little bit at a time. We can sort of it start with one device, add more later. It grows with you. Uh, so you, your cost is, doesn't have to be prohibitive. It's really up to you. And if you want to start and sort of just dip a toe in the waters of home automation, I always recommend starting with the smart plug. Now, the smart plug is basically an outlet controller. It plugs into a standard electrical outlet, and then you plug appliances into that smart plug. And there are smart plugs made by several different manufacturers that support HomeKit. And so uh, you can, into your smart plug, you can plug a lamp, you can plug a curling iron, you can plug a coffee maker or a teapot. Anything that has a, a simple on-off toggle can be plugged into a uh, smart plug. Now that brings up an interesting question about coffee makers. That was one of the things that I really wanted to automate just because I thought it was cool. And I had been using smart plugs for a while and it was interesting because you can't, if you're going to automate a coffee maker, you can't use a very complex coffee maker. The coffee maker has to either be an always on system where as soon as it's plugged in, it's on or it has to have a hardware on-off switch. It can't be one of these with buttons and a standby mode and menus. You know, Even the Keurigs are a problem because you have to push a button to start the brewing uh, process. So that's not going to serve as useful of a purpose as a very simple coffee maker. So I got uh, at the store a, I guess it was about an $18 coffee maker and a $29 smart plug with a, with a nightlight even built into it. And for that price, so basically under $50, I had created a highly automated coffee maker that I can manage from my phone, my iPad, whatever. So I have full accessibility with voiceover. I can do everything, any kind of programming I want with that coffee maker with, for just $50. I mean, that's just an incredible example of, of how easy this is. And when we talk in the second half about automations and stuff, I'll tell you what kinds of things I've done with it and give you some examples. So that's one type of home automation device, the smart plug. And one of my favorites, and definitely I think a great way to sort of make a foray into this. And I'm telling you, once people do it, they are addicted to it. This, this same uh, gentleman that I told you about before, uh, he is a customer. He, he actually was my Spanish teacher in high school. And we've been friends ever since and so on. And, and, and uh, we kind of have a, a deal. You know, we sort of have an agreement. I do his tech work 
and he uh, runs me around if I have a dentist appointment or something. You know, we have lunch about once a week and stuff. Of course, not right now, uh, but under normal circumstances. Um, and so, uh, you know, he he's um, very interested in technology. He's retired, uh, but he doesn't like change to happen too quickly. He doesn't mind change, but it's got to be on his terms and, you know, sort of slow, progressive kind of thing. He'll tell you that himself. And um the, uh, you know, I, I said to him, I said, you really ought to try this stuff. I really think you'd like it. And he said, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Maybe, maybe someday I'll do it. You know, so I got him a smart plug for Christmas and, and we set it up and it's exactly as I, as I thought, he's like, boy, that is really neat. And, you know, he's never looked back since then. This is a great way to introduce either yourself and your family or other friends, coworkers, et cetera, to the smart home, to the world of home automation, the smart plug. But let's talk about the other devices because that's just the beginning. Now, I mentioned to you that the smart plug can be used with a lamp, but if you really want to get more sophisticated with what you can do with lights, you can get a lighting system like the Philips Hue lighting system, for example. And, you know, at first thought, it might seem like for those of us who can't see, well, why do we care about lights? But if you really stop and think about it, it's actually the ultimate solution, isn't it? Because suddenly we don't have to worry about whether somebody else left the light on or anything like that. We can manage and automate this all from our iPhone, iPad, all these devices. And what's more, if we do have sighted family, friends, people that come over, they're going to love it too. And so with a lighting system like Philips Hue, you can have a vast number of light bulbs that are specially designed for that system. With Philips Hue, I think when I first got it, there was a, a limit of 32 bulbs, but I, I know they've increased it since then because I've seen higher numbers than that. And they don't just make basic light bulbs anymore. There's all kinds of different bulbs for all kinds of different lights that you can get. You can control them individually. Now, interestingly, they do use a bridge, which is a device that connects to your uh, router or access point or whatever. And then they do use Zigbee to, to, to communicate with that bridge, but then that bridge still communicates through HomeKit. So I, I don't know if, if Philips, you know, if they just thought that was a, a less expensive way to do it, to put Zigbee in those bulbs rather than Wi-Fi in individual. There are some other companies that do have Wi-Fi in each individual bulb, but, you know, it's kind of a personal preference thing at that point. Um, the, the Philips Hue is a, a very, very well-respected lighting system that gets a lot of good reviews. And we've had zero complaints about it because um, we have it here personally at, at our home. Uh, you can, with Philips Hue, you can get white bulbs and you can also get color bulbs that, that you can actually change the color of the lights in your room. And you can, again, have that done automatically or at your request. We'll talk about automations later. But it does work. You can you can set up really unique things too. Like I can have it blink the lights when it's raining outside, or um, we actually have it hooked up with uh, Alexa. And if you set a timer on one of your Echo devices, uh, the the lights will blink when the timer is done as well. Um, I have it set up to do a, a color loop at midnight on New Year's Eve and to project an image of roses on Valentine's Day. So there's some really really unique stuff that you can do with it too. But it, in, in the most common uh, implementations, you're, you know, you're gonna just be able to control your lights automatically or at the request of your voice or what have you. And, and again, is, these are lighting systems. Uh, another type of device is the smart lock. I love our smart lock. 
Um, we happen to have the Friday home lock. Um, there are many others as well. August, um, Yale, there's a whole bunch of them. Uh, and these work in one of a couple of different ways as far as how they work, how they physically are installed. But once they are, um, the again, the door can be locked and unlocked by way of using Siri, um, by you know going into the app and doing it, and of course, set up in, in various automations. Um, another kind of, there's all sorts of stuff. There's uh, smoke and carbon monoxide detectors. Um, you have, uh, I'm going to come back to cameras in a minute, but you have um, thermostats. I, I have a Honeywell uh, Lyric thermostat, which is just awesome. And again, works beautifully with HomeKit. Uh, there are security systems and some really well-known names now. Um, like the Abode security, uh, there's two different ones from Abode, the Abode IOTA gateway and just the Abode, uh, whatever they call the other one, I can't think of it right now. Um, but they're both uh, security system uh, hubs and you can have a full-fledged DIY security system complete with your door and your window sensors, your motion sensors, glass break, whatever you want. And you can pay to have it professionally monitored if you so choose, or you can just self-monitor, but it works with HomeKit. So you can automate it or, you know, you're getting ready to go to bed. You just say to Siri, hey, uh, you know, arm my security system for night and she'll do it. Uh, now, if that's too, uh, it's not, not, not advanced, but if that's more than you want, if you feel you don't need a full-fledged security system, you might consider just a little individual uh, door sensor that's a security system. I have this door sensor uh, that um, that actually chimes when the door is open, which is something I really wanted. I, I don't really feel in our area that we need a, a full-fledged security system, but I really like having door notifications and I want them, they can show up on my phone. They also make a sound. So I'm gonna walk to our front door and I'm gonna demonstrate it for you. It's just a very simple chime. I think they've added a couple of different tones you can choose from, but I haven't really messed with it, but here you go. All right, very simple, but it, you know, it chimes when, um, when the door is, is open. And I can look in the app and I can see if the door is open or closed. I get notifications on my phone. And what's cool is it also has arming modes on that door chime. I can arm it for, with an alarm uh, at, for, um, at night or, or when I'm away. And it even has a, uh, what else does it have? It has a, um, it has a temperature and humidity sensor in it too. Um, and speaking of that, you can get uh, another type of accessory, uh, these room sensors that, that have uh, temperature, humidity, lighting, motion sensors, um, sound sensors, again, you know, like your glass break and, and different sounds like that. Um, occupancy sensors that work with other uh, automations, as we'll describe in a bit. And then, of course, there are the cameras. And the cameras are really cool because we can monitor what's going on. Usually, most of these HomeKit cameras also have motion detectors in them. And they typically have two-way audio. Uh, so you can talk to the person. They can talk to you. You have uh, night vision in these things. And they just really have a lot of great capabilities and features. Now, with the cameras, um, one of the questions that you know people often ask, and it's a fair question, is, well, do I uh, access my cloud recordings? You know, uh, do I have to pay an extra fee? 
because a lot of cameras, if you look at what's out there on the market, a lot of cameras require a monthly fee if you're going to get any kind of cloud storage, right? So suddenly you're paying, uh, you know, I don't know, anywhere between probably three and ten dollars a month for uh, cloud storage for your for your recorded video in the camera. Well, with HomeKit cameras, that's not necessarily the case. First of all, you have a choice of purchasing a camera that has local storage. You can put an SD card in it or just use it as strictly a live stream camera. And that is uh, an example of that is like the D-Link Omna 180 cam that is HomeKit compatible. Or you can go to something like the Logitech Circle 2 or the Eufy Cam system, which does not require a separate monthly fee because it uses a new thing called HomeKit Secure Video. HomeKit Secure Video was uh, developed by Apple as a cloud system for storing and, and uh, recording, recording video. It doesn't cost anything extra, except you do have to have a subscription to at least the 200 gigabyte iCloud storage plan. If you do, you can, uh, you can use your own, it, it, but it doesn't count against your own storage. That's what's so great about it. So you're using your own plan, but it's not counting against your storage. And you get up to seven days of recorded video. It allows you to set it up to automatically start recording when everybody's gone from the home. You get motion notifications, and it identifies the difference between people, vehicles, and animals and tells you what you're seeing. You get a notification. It includes a snapshot. Of course, you can instantly jump to the live stream. So you can set different modes depending on the time of day or depending on the occupancy of the home and things of that nature. So that is how cameras work with HomeKit Secure Video. You also have routers that are HomeKit compatible now, like Wi-Fi routers. Uh, there are uh, HomeKit compatible TVs and speakers, including, of course, the HomePod and the Apple TV, which is not a TV but a set-top box, but they also have actual televisions that are HomeKit compatible. And what you can do with this is you can control the TV from your phone or use Siri to switch inputs, things of that nature. And then um, there are even now faucets and sprinkler systems and a few other kind of novelty items. The last one I'll talk about before we ask uh, for some questions and then we start explaining automations and things like that. Uh, uh, the last one I'll talk about is the garage door controller. It is very easy now to, uh, to set up a system like the MyQ from uh, Chamberlain LiftMaster and you can actually have an automated garage door that works with Siri and it will work with automations with anything you want to do with it and again it's fully HomeKit compatible. Now all of this is managed from the Apple Home app and from Siri and sometimes a third party so typically what happens is in the home app, I can set up most accessories. Some require you to use the third-party app, but a lot of them you can just set up right in the home app. I can control their basic functions right in the home app. So I have access to a core set of features and functions. Same thing with Siri. So for example, with a thermostat right in the home app or with Siri, I can ask what the current temperature is. I can tell Siri to raise or lower the temperature. And I can switch the mode of my thermostat, for example, from heat to cool. Uh, 
If I need more extensive functionality, like filter reminders, emergency heat auxiliary, or other advanced compressor management, it's going to send me over to the Honeywell Home app, since it's a Honeywell thermostat, and I can manage the rest from there. Now, what I'd like to do is sort of pause, take a few questions, just a few, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about how to tie all this together with scenes and automations. All right. Um, thank you, Matt. If you have questions for Matt, please raise your hand. If you're calling in on your phone, you can do that by pressing star nine. If you are, if you are using the app on your phone, you can raise your hand by going to more, which is on the lower right hand side of the phone and double tap on that and then double tap on raise the question. Um, and then if you are on a Mac, it is options Y. And if you're on the PC, it is, uh, it is alt A. And it sounds like Nat, you've already gotten to someone. The question? Okay. Let's see. Okay. Um, we're going to go to Abraham. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, we can. Hi there. Uh, yeah, um, great presentation so far. Um, I'm wondering if you can uh, tell me some of the names of the uh, Wi-Fi routers that are available with HomeKit. Um, so, so far, uh, it is the uh, the Euro Mesh Network system, and I believe that they've announced that the Linksys uh, VLOP routers uh, mesh systems are also going to be compatible with the HomeKit uh, networking. Now, what I would encourage you to do is to visit the website where you can see all of this. Apple maintains a running list, and they update it pretty regularly, of all HomeKit compatible accessories. I don't have that URL off the top of my head, but I could probably... Um, share it or or we can certainly get it to you otherwise a simple google search for uh apple list of home kit accessories will get you to that because that's how i used to find it all the time before i bookmarked it and it is uh it, it is a running list and they have it you know section by section like you can look for routers you can look for tvs you can look for door locks and you know they'll have the name of everything that is is currently compatible with home kit as well as things that have been like announced and that are coming soon. Excellent. Thank you. Um, the next question is from Terry. Hi, Mika. Hi, Matt. Hi. Hey, Matt. I have a complicated setup. Wi-Fi here in my apartment complex is very expensive. And I have unlimited I have unlimited data from Verizon. So I have a iPad dedicated to my house, which is always on and plugged in but I have to hide it behind a TP-Link uh, repeater because Apple won't let you do updates over uh, a, um, what's the word? What's the word I'm looking for when you share your Wi-Fi from another? A hotspot. Uh, hotspot, yeah. Apple won't let you do updates over a hotspot. <laughs> so I have to hide everything behind a little TP-Link wall, wall repeater. Um, can I still take advantage of any HomeKit stuff if I don't have technically Wi-Fi? That is a really, really good question and a tricky question, and I don't have an official answer for you, unfortunately. Um, the 
you know, the, the devices that you are trying to connect to HomeKit. Now, first of all, there are some that don't even use Wi-Fi. Like the door lock, for example, primarily uses Bluetooth. Uh, the that that some of those sensors, motion sensors, and that that security sensor that you heard the chime of, and so forth. That you know, those mm -hmm. things are not Wi-Fi; they're Bluetooth. Uh, so certainly, there would be some devices that you could use. The other devices, it's really going to depend upon whether the uh, well, two things. Number one, whether or not the manufacturer of those devices their firmware is going to see that as a Wi-Fi network. So, you know, a device like a smart plug has to connect to Wi-Fi. And if the manufacturer's firmware thinks that it's Wi-Fi, then that's fine. The other thing is then, you know, normally when you have a home hub, that's got to be on the same network as those other devices for it to provide full access to automations and, you know, monitoring when you're away from home and so forth. Sure. So again, I, those are the things to consider. Uh, the variables in the in the mix, I, and unfortunately, I don't have a definitive answer for you. Yeah. Well, well, anybody that comes into my place, if they want to log in, when they go to a Wi-Fi network, they see the TP link as Wi-Fi. You know, so it's it is covering up the hotspot, and um, that has access to Wi-Fi through the hotspot. Then, yes, yeah, that, that's it, may, it may work. The only way I can update my phone when Apple pushes an update is to hide it, you know, hide the, the hotspot behind a TP-Link repeater. So Apple thinks I'm still on Wi-Fi when really I'm not. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I'm not, as I said, I don't have a lot of information on that. Yeah. Uh, definitely a non-traditional setup, uh, but I would, you know, one of the things you certainly could do is get a device that's relatively inexpensive that also doesn't require you to drastically, you know, you don't want to buy a thermostat because now you've replaced your existing one and all that, you know, until you're sure. But certainly, you know, a smart plug that is going to run you, you know, 20, 30 bucks, um, you know, would be an easy way to test that. All right. Thank you so much for your question, Terry. Tyson. Hi, Matt. Hi, Mika. You guys, Hi. Have, you guys have both. Got, uh, this has got my brain really, really ticking. Um, and the one thing I'm thinking about is, you know, I'm thinking about the thermostat and the door locks and all that. What happens when the power goes out? Um, am I locked inside? Does it have a manual like the key to get outside again or to get in my house for that matter? Or, you know, to make sure that my house doesn't, you know, I don't freeze or bake. So the, uh, the thermostat, of course, is, is a different matter because thermostats traditionally are not going to have any practical functionality when the power goes out unless they're connected to something that doesn't require power also you know what i mean you if you've got a heat pump or a furnace that thing's not going to run when the power's out anyway so you know as soon as the power comes back on that will be fine now with a door lock they always have a backup uh first of all door locks are not connected to electrical power uh they are going to be bluetooth and not wi-fi to communicate with the devices usually the only thing that requires the the use of the hub is this away from home monitoring. Of, you know, so again, if you have uh, if you're away and you want to lock and unlock the doors, it would happen to be that the power was out. You know, you would have a, a temporary issue until that power is restored. But if you get home and the uh, the power is out, you know, it has a traditional key. Well, every one is a little different. Okay, so the one that I have actually does not even this is the friday home lock uh this does not and and the august is the same way by the way 
Um, I didn't <laughs> just real, real quick. I, I'll just, you know, uh, the reason I didn't get the August was a, uh, we needed one that was a polished brass finish because I would not have been able to, uh, make my wife happy if we didn't keep the same color and B, um, the August at that time required a bridge and I just didn't really want to do that when I didn't need to. Now they've since released an August one that doesn't require a bridge, but it's still rather limited in color. Friday was the most versatile with its uh, color selection. Anyhow, the Friday lock and the August one do not replace your existing deadbolt. They just replace the inside piece. So as long as you have a regular single cylinder deadbolt, this just replaces the inside. So you're still going to use your same key that you've always used. Now, there are some uh, that do replace the deadbolt as well. And then, you know, they'll come with keys or some of them are touch, touch screen or push button. You know, there's a whole bunch of different options, but there are definitely a few out there uh, that don't even re require you to change your key. Excellent. Thank you so much for your question, Tyson. Thank you, Matt. Uh, Cindy. Oh, my gosh. My head is reeling. Um, let's see. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of which one to go for first. Okay, you mentioned about a plug that, uh, like a smart plug or whatever that you could plug stuff into and then, you know, to automate, so to turn on and so on uh, and control, like say that coffee maker you were talking about. Um, oh my goodness, there's lots of sirens going by. Um, oh, that's by you. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. And there was like two or three at the same time. So something's going yeah, on. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so what are those, what would they be called? Like if I'm looking them up, like on Amazon, what am I okay. looking for? So and the, yeah. yeah. So, you know, how much do they run about? Like, what is the, you know, so the, the what you're looking for is a smart plug. That's the okay. name of them. Um, okay. Apple, Apple sells a few of them on the Apple store app and, and Apple store website and so forth. And yes, Amazon, Best Buy. Um, the one I have, uh, there's, I have a couple different ones. There's one that I have that's made by iHome, another one that's made uh, by iDevices. And there's another one that's really popular right now called the Wemo Mini Smart Plug. It's relatively inexpensive. It works well. I don't personally have one, but it's the one that I bought as a gift for that friend of mine. And I've seen a couple others. My parents have them uh, and they are very, very, you know, they do work well. Um, they run, you know, anywhere between 20 and $30 for a simple one. There are more expensive ones that are like okay. power strips or, you know, double plugs and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But if you're just looking for a basic one, that's all you've got to spend. And really and truly it, um, like, I'll just give you an example of it here because I have my iPad right here. So I'll, um, and I could do this with the, you know, with the HomePod, with the Apple TV, any of my devices as well. But I'll just ask Siri, like, we'll just do, is the coffee maker on or off? Your coffee maker is off. See, so it'll tell me, I can ask it to turn it on, you know, and, and wow. so, yeah, um, that, that's what they are. They're smart plugs. So and if, if you want a complete list, again, same thing I told to the gentleman, I think it was Ibrahim, uh, that you can you can go to the Apple website. They maintain a list of all the compatible ones that are. So that did you then let your home kit or whatever, you let the, it know that, that 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 smart plug was your coffee maker, like you renamed it or something? Yeah, so the home app, and we'll talk a little more about this in the second uh, half of the presentation. But yes, the home app allows you to name, first of all, to specify what room the device is in which is really, really cool because I can say something like turn on the living room lights or, you know, what's the temperature in the hallway. Sure. Um, and then, yes, the other thing is you can actually give it a name. 
You can specify whether it's a, you know, the smart, in the case of a smart plug specifically, you can even specify the kind of device that it's controlling, like an appliance or a light or a fan, so that if you have, let's say you told Siri, turn off all the lights, well, it knows then that that smart plug is also being used for a light, so it includes it in that command then. Okay. Well, I have more questions, but I'm going to hold off so you can continue. Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Cindy. Um, Matt, you can go ahead. All right. Sure. Okay. We'll do a little more, and then we'll take some more questions. So it is really awesome already, and I can, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hearing, I'm, I'm so excited that you guys are as intrigued and as motivated and excited by this as, as perhaps I am. Um, and, and if you think it's exciting already, the second half is just going to put that over the top because it's really neat to be able to do what I just did and say, is the coffee maker on or lock the front door. You know, my, when back when we actually went to work and school, instead of doing it from home, uh, my wife and kids would go to, you know, uh, work and, and school in the morning. And I typically work from home most days. So once they'd leave, I could simply tell Siri, lock the front door, you know, and I didn't have to even do anything else. So while that is really, really cool, the real power, the real awesomeness of home automation happens when the devices start to work together. And for that, we have scenes, zones, and automations. So let's define a zone first. A zone is a group of rooms, like upstairs or um, you know, uh, front bedrooms or, you know, different types of terms that you might come up with like that. So in the home app, as I was just sharing with, I think it was Cindy, uh, a few moments ago, when you, before you ever even start, you set up the rooms in your home. So it's custom for your home. And then when you do that, you now, when you start adding accessories to your home, you indicate what rooms those are in. Then you can also group rooms together. And this is especially useful for like, you know, two and three story homes where every room is on a certain floor. You know, you might have four bedrooms on this upper second floor. Grouping them together makes it easy to say things like turn off all the lights upstairs, you know, those kinds of terms like that. So that is a zone. Now, a scene is a group of accessories or events that all happen at once in a, in a combined action. So an example of a scene is something like good morning, a morning time scene, basically, or a nighttime scene. And I have good morning, I have good night, I have I'm leaving, I'm home, I have different ones for different activities. And all I have to do is say to Siri the phrase that triggers that scene, like good morning, and she accomplishes all the tasks that are in that group. For example, you might want at night when you're ready to go to bed, you may want all the lights to be turned off. You might want the doors to be locked. You might want the security system to be armed for night or armed stay, whatever your particular system calls it. And you might even want the temperature to be adjusted a little bit. And we could even go a step further. Maybe you want to play some kind of soft music to fall asleep to. All of this can be accomplished with one single command 
known as a scene where you group these accessories, not the accessories, but you group the activities all into one and then trigger it either in the home app or by Siri. And again, this is Siri on your iPhone, your iPad, your Apple TV, if you have one, your HomePod, which we'll talk a little more about in a moment, even your Apple Watch and your Mac. So everything that I just described, the door locking, the, uh, the ther thermostat adjusting a little bit, all the lights turning off, the soft music playing, the security system arming, maybe the garage door closing. You can you know, just send the command. If it's already closed, fine, it, it doesn't matter. But if it shows that it's open status, then it will close it. All of these things just by saying good night. Again, in the morning, same types of things. You can set up different things that all you have to do is say good morning and they happen at your request. Now to take this one step further is the automation. The automation is a group of accessories or scenes or a combination of accessories and scenes that are all going to occur at the same time based upon what is known as a trigger. Now a trigger can be a certain time of day occurs or a certain general period like a sunrise and a sunset because based on you know GPS and weather and all that, it knows when the sunrise and sunset are. It can be based upon a leaving or coming home. It can be based upon another accessory. Like for example, a motion sensor can trigger a group of lights to turn on or can trigger an alarm to sound. Uh, another example would be a, um, another kind of uh, accessory control, but instead of it being the motion sensor, it could be when you control an accessory. Like for example, when I unlock the door. So the first accessory trigger example was when an accessory detects something, right? When an accessory detects motion or when, um, when an accessory, you know, uh, detects that a door is open. But there is also when, when an accessory actually is, is controlled by you. So when I tell the door to unlock or when I, um, uh, when I uh, adjust the uh, thermostat, then also do these other things. You know, maybe I want music to start playing when I walk in the door and maybe it's different from, you know, something that my wife wants to listen to or whatever. All of this is possible with the automations. And now I want to uh, point out that there are, there are even more complex automations. Right now, those require an additional app uh, like the Eve Home app, for example, which is a, a totally supported app. It's supported by Apple. It's used for some of the Eve accessories, some of their sensors and stuff, but it works with all the devices. And they give you one extra step, which is instead of just one trigger, you can have a trigger and a condition. For example, I could say um, in, in the Apple Home app, I could set it up that if uh, a door is open, the alarm goes off. Okay. I can do that in the Apple Home app. I can also add a person condition in the Apple Home app. And I'll give you an example of that in a moment. That's all supported right in Apple Home. But hey, in Matt. Home, yes. Hey, Matt, you're kind of fading in and out. So, um, like you, you come close and then you go away from the mic and you come close and go away. So, if you could stay close. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping it's, it's not a, I don't know, because honestly, I haven't moved. I, is this any better? I, yep, I'm just that's trying great. to. 
Okay. I don't know what was going on. Sorry about that. No problem. Okay. So um, the, uh, the other thing, what I was going to was this idea of in the Apple Home app, we can create a, like a, a conditional automation. Like I said, if you open a door, an alarm goes off. Or I'll just say that part again since I was kind of fading in and out there. Uh, and, and there are also person-based automations. So if, you know, you can have a condition, but also a person has to be home. And I'll give you a specific example of that in a moment. So those are supported in the Apple Home app. But in the Eve Home app, for example, I can take it a step further. Maybe I want, you know, I said to you, if a door opens, an alarm will sound. But maybe I only want that to happen between 10 p.m. and 7 a.m. I don't want a door opening to sound an alarm, you know, 24 hours a day. So that's a condition added on to that trigger. So that is supported in third-party apps like the, the Eve Home app. And this combination of things can really make the automations extremely powerful. I'm going to give you a couple practical examples of ways that we use automations every day here. And then, well, not only automations, but scenes as well, because I told you about scenes. And then we'll, you know, we'll entertain more questions and, and see how we can help you. I want to talk briefly about the HomePod, though, as well, before we do that. Um, so here we have um, a number of different scenes set up, okay? Different scenes for good night, for morning, for when we leave the house, for when we arrive, even for when we leave and the weather is hot versus when it's cold so that it you know, does different things with the thermostat. Now, uh, and, and, and along those lines, I will tell you that the Honeywell that I have, which is the Lyric T5, now they have the T5 Plus, but um, this thermostat in the app and the Honeywell app is very accessible as well. It supports schedules, you know, like your typical seven-day programmable thermostat. It supports geofencing. So you can have an automatic away mode. But I don't use the Honeywell app for any of that because the Home app, the Apple Home app, does such a good job with those same things that I would rather do it there. So you kind of have that choice. You have that option. So back to my examples, we have a number of scenes for different things, and I can trigger those at any time. As I said, a good night scene, a good morning scene, I'm leaving, I'm home. One of my favorites is the Christmas time scene that we have set up. In our Christmas time scene, when I tell Siri that it's Christmas time, she turns the lights on our Christmas tree on. She changes our living room lights to red or green. And she starts shuffling a playlist of Christmas music on both of our home pods. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. That is a really, really cool, one of my favorite scenes that we, that we have, as I said. And you can control very specifically, like I gave you the example of the music starting. You know, you can pick what music it is. You can pick what room it's in uh, or if it's in all all rooms that have, you know, the, your, your, these devices, you can pick the volume level, you can pick all sorts of things. Just to give you another example of the HomePods in use like that, um, I have that little security system on our front door that I told you about, and I let you hear the little chime of it. Well, that chime on the front door, now the way our house is set up, that's fine. Like, um, sorry, I, I have do not disturb 
on, but I uh, there's one app that seems to cause me an issue. Uh, even happens with that, to me I, too. I, I totally get it. Yeah. So if my yeah, I wanted to make sure my audio wasn't cutting out while that was happening because that um, okay, there we go. So let me put my speaker on because it also causes the thing to flip back to the earpiece. Okay, you can still hear me okay? Yes. Perfect, perfect. Okay, so anyhow, sorry about that interruption, but uh, what I was going to say was that the uh, another example of how we use this is with the security thing. In our house, it's fine. You can hear it anywhere in our house, but when it arms at night, it's a, just a little beep that, that indicates that it's armed, and it's not, if you're not paying attention, you miss it. Now, you get a notification on your phone, too, which says your security system was armed for night. But I, I thought it would be really fun to set up a little chime that plays around the house when the security system is armed. So I found a track on Apple Music that is just a, a little two-note chime. And so at the same time as that um, security system arms, it plays that chime in other rooms. So everybody knows. And what's more, that scene also includes a, um, uh, uh, the door locking. So every night around 11 p.m., that door locks if it's unlocked, the security system arms for night, and the, um, the, the little chime plays. I also have a button if I want to manually arm and disarm the security system or make the coffee. I have a little programmable HomeKit button that you can take if you want to uh, do it that way anywhere you know, around the house. Now, I want to give you an example of one of my favorite automations, and we'll talk HomePod real quick, and then we'll take questions. Um, one of my favorite automations does, in fact, deal with the coffee maker. So I have a lot of automations. In fact, most of what I do is triggered by automations. Even if they are scenes, I've automated them so that they happen automatically. But my favorite one is this Sunday morning coffee one. So I have a, a scene that's just called Make My Coffee. And anytime if we tell Siri, make my coffee, that's what she'll do. She'll turn on the, you know. But what we've done is uh, we attend church every Sunday. And so on other days, it kind of varies what time we have the coffee. It's not always exactly the same time. But on Sunday mornings, it is. So we have an automation set up that every Sunday morning at, uh, I forget, let's say around 8 o'clock, it doesn't matter, but somewhere around 8 a.m., it automatically turns on. So we've filled the coffee maker the night before the pot, and it's, you know, with water, it's ready, coffee's in there. 8 a.m., it turns on and makes the coffee. The coffee maker stays on until like 9.55 a.m. when we're, you know, getting ready to leave for church, and then it automatically turns off. But here's the really cool thing that takes that even further. The only way that that automation will run is if people are home. If no one is home, we're all on vacation or something, that automation will not even run. So it requires the presence of people as determined by the locations on your phones. And you can also add like occupancy sensors and stuff. Well, our camera actually does that anyway. But it, it uses those things to determine whether or not somebody's home and it will only run if there are actually people at home. Now, I just wanna talk very briefly about the HomePod and then we're gonna take questions. The HomePod is much more than a home hub, of course. It's a full-fledged smart speaker. In fact, first and foremost, that's what it's designed to be, is a smart speaker. Now, we have um, a couple of the Amazon devices as well, mainly because it was a very inexpensive way to get them in the kids' bedrooms. They wanted something in their rooms and. You can get these Echo Dots and there's the Echo Show with a screen and you can use them as intercoms and stuff. So I'm not against that. I do like some of the, the things, but the HomePod 
number one, is by far the best sounding speaker of any consumer speaker that I've ever heard. And that includes using like Bose and Sonos and stuff. The, the HomePod just blows them out of the water. It's not, you know, you're not going to use it for a hundred person uh, concert or something. It, it is made for a home, you know, uh, as far as how loud it gets and so on. But its quality is just incredible. Um, with the HomePod, anything general knowledge, Siri questions, you know, um, how many cups are in a pint, you know, who was the president in 1952, you know, anything, uh, Wikipedia, um, a lot of Yelp, you know, business information, you can ask for nearby restaurants, um, you can set timers, you even multiple timers and name the timers, okay, you can um, set alarms, you can ask for the weather, you can have the news played for you. And of course, you can control all of your automation and HomeKit stuff we've been talking about. It's great with Apple Music. It also now directly, uh, as well, well, directly, you, <laughs> you have to have the app installed on your phone, but it does support uh, commands directly for Spotify, for Pandora, um, for radio stations, as well as Apple Music and iTunes Match. And um, in addition to that, it also allows for you to send and receive text, send text messages, have your text messages read for you, um, make and answer phone calls, and even to use the calendar and reminders. And we use it for our grocery list. We have an app that, you know, supports that. And we can tell Siri when we're in the kitchen, you know, add milk to my grocery list, do that on the HomePod. And the best part about it is it recognizes the voice of the person now who is asking for it. So if my wife asks for the messages to be read, uh, it will know that it's her and it will read her messages versus if I ask or if one of my kids ask. And we, it, it was just proven yesterday. I mean, I didn't really have any doubts, but it was just neat to see it in action this way. You can use it to find your devices on your Apple account. My daughter didn't remember where she uh, had put her iPad at the moment. And so she just asked Siri on the HomePod, where is my iPad? And it knew it was her voice. It, you know, I'm the one that set up the, the family sharing account. It's my, you know, but it knew it was her voice. And it said to her, okay, Kylie, I found your iPad and it played a sound on it. So she knew exactly where it was. But, the, you know, the really, there's a lot of cool stuff that I just told you there if you didn't know it. But the really cool part that I was emphasizing was that it knew who she was and, you know, found her iPad rather than mine or, or my son's or something. So um, we've kind of thrown a lot of information at you. <laughs> but I want to take, you know, questions and comments so we can help you out in the remaining time here. So um, this, is, this is Mika. I'm yes. using my host privilege. <laughs> um, so, well, first off, when you were talking about, you know, where's my iPad and where are things like this? Um, it made me think like, oh, my God, I could use something like that. I got a little Bluetooth something like to help me find something. And then I lost the Bluetooth piece. That was oh, supposed no. <laughs> to be like the literal finder. So, yes, yes. Um, but my question is actually about, um, is about security um, and just what, you know, like sometimes you see about um, like hackers, people being able to hack like the cameras if you get one, or, you know. Um, so what kind of security measures um, or practical security measures can people um, put into place to keep that, to keep that from happening? Right. Sure. Sure. Yeah, that's an excellent question. Um, so it's, you know, by now, those of you who have been following these uh, or listening in, you know, I've done, I think, three of them now counting today. 
Uh, it's pretty obvious that I love Apple products and that I'm kind of biased. I always tell people if Apple made a toothpaste, I would buy it. But so you know, I'm going to I'm going to, you know, sort of use that uh, that as a basis for this. But it, it is it's well deserved uh, by Apple. You will find that their security and privacy uh, features and how they handle customer data is truly unlike any other company that's out there. The way that they um, don't use your data for other things, the way that they don't collect data that you don't want them to collect. And that includes with Siri. So, of course, with, with these requests, for example, the when you say, hey, Siri, the, um, the you know, it, that's the only time it starts listening. Now, that's true on any device if it's a Google or an Echo. But the thing that happens is that the the words that you say, uh, which you can you can share the words that you say with Apple for improvement of Siri, or you can opt out of that. When you set up a device, you have that op- that option. But even if you choose to share it, it's anonymous. And that is really different from any other smart assistant out there. And, and you can prove this because if you go into your um, Google Assistant app or your Amazon app, I won't say her name, um, you, you will be able to see a history of your conversation with the assistant. And that is not so with Apple. And that's because nowhere is that information kept attached to your account. So there's no way that anyone knows who that person is. It is completely anonymized. And so that's why you don't have that history access. So that's one thing that they do differently is that they anonymize the, the speech data. The, the cameras, if you're using HomeKit secure video that we talked about, those, that, that is all, this whole experience, the whole HomeKit experience, as a matter of fact, is end-to-end encrypted. So there is, this is, you know, high-level military-grade encryption that is protecting your video footage, your camera. But, you know, again, you have complete control. Like our camera, when we are home, is not recording. Uh, it, it, you know, that's disabled. That Those recordings don't exist. They're not even being made. Uh, we can use the camera as a live streaming device if we want to, but we don't, we don't even have to. But it, it can be... Um, you know, different for each setting. So the only time that starts recording is when every single person has left the home. And I've even found that that's the case with like multiple devices. Like if you leave one of your devices in the home and again, you can customize all of these things. So it's, yeah, it's an extremely secure, very well encrypted um, uh, system that is really designed by a group of people who take privacy and security very seriously. Thank you so much, Matt. I appreciate you answering that question. Okay, sure. hello. This is Nat. I'm just one of Mika's little helpers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hi there. Hi. And Joseph has a question. And Joseph, you should now be unmuted. I have a question. Um, do you know if the Echo does the same? You were saying how your daughter lost her iPad. If you uh, misplace your phone, do you know if Echo... You know, if you say, I can't find my phone, does she play a sound as well? Um, so there's not going to be native support for that, but you may be able to find a skill that could call your phone or something like that. And, you know, based upon the, the right phrasing, because uh, you can make calls with the Echo anyway. Um, so it, it's possible that it's that it's doable. The reason the HomePod is able to do it is they're, they're all Apple. They're all linked to, together using the Find My 
app. Uh, and that's a feature of that app. So, you know, any Apple device, it's going to be able to find and play a sound on it. And just going along with what Mika was saying, there is a rumor. It has not been confirmed by Apple at this point. And of course, therefore, it has to be taken with a grain of salt. But there is a very, very popular rumor that Apple may be developing its own sort of Bluetooth trackers that you can even put on other devices, you know, your your remotes, your keys, things of that nature. So that is a, a definite, you know, but there's tile out there already and stuff too. But anyhow, for the Apple devices, it's, it's you know, got to be the HomePod. But I would, I would look for a skill that might call your device upon request because I would, I'd be very surprised if there wasn't something out there or... The other option is to look through. I'm not sure if you're familiar with what IFTTT is. Um, that is a, a you know another kind of a third-party automation service that ties multiple devices together. And there may be something in IFTTT that you could. They call them recipes. Uh, there may be a recipe that would do what you want. Awesome. Okay. Thank you, Joseph. Um, Cindy, you're next, and you're unmuted. All right. Uh, so I'm going to go to the question, the other question I was thinking of. So I live in an apartment and it's a secure building. My door does not even uh, to my apartment does not use any kind of a key. It is a keypad uh, with the for the deadbolts and it is all battery. So it's not electric. Uh, I would like to have something. So I've had like the maintenance person come into my apartment, did not know, like they neglected to tell me they were coming in. And then I came home and things were like, something was changed around and I could tell somebody had been in my apartment and made me kind of feel uneasy. So I want to know, is there something you could recommend or think of uh, that where if somebody, you know, that I could set, to like if I leave and then somebody opens the door that it would alert me that somebody's in my apartment? I don't know. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, and depending on what, you know, what, 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 how much money you want to spend on this, there's a couple of different options. Not a lot. Okay, so the, the, <laughs> so, <laughs> so the, the least expect, now do you already have something in your home that could be a home hub, either an Apple TV or a HomePod or an, an iPad that doesn't leave the house? No, I do not. I just have my iPhone. Okay. So that is going to be something that you would have to have in order to okay. get that away from home monitoring with any kind of uh, recommendation that I'm going to have, except maybe a camera. The camera might not, if it uses HomeKit Secure, it would still have to have a home hub. All right. Let me um, ask you this as a, as a variable to this then. The home pod, would that yes. if I had a home pod that would work? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. It would. And how much do home pods cost? So normally the home pod is $299. I've seen them on sale okay. um, multiple times. You know, I, I sure. would keep checking yep. like Best Buy and B and H, some of these things. Okay. Um, but once you do that, a simple door sensor, like a contact sensor. Um, they are like Eve systems makes one. It's just called their Eve door. Or if you want that one that makes a sound when you're home to that, you know, that I demonstrated, that's called, uh, on viz. I think it's O N V I Z. And that anyhow, the price of those things easily under $50 that, that okay. little security thing I have was like $32 or something. And these will give you notifications on your phone when you're away so that you, you know, it'll show you, Hey, uh, the, you know, the, the front door was open. 
and it was closed, you know, at this time and so forth. So you can always see okay. that. So that would be one of the easiest ways, I think, to accomplish uh, what you're looking for. Fabulous. Thank you so much. Okay. Yeah. And the thank you, Cindy. And the next question, I think, is from Vicky. And Vicky, you're now unmuted. Yes. Hey, Matt, this is a great presentation, as all, all of yours have been. I have a quick question you. about the thermostat. Um, do you know of any thermostat, either the Honeywell that you mentioned or any others, that will work with an iPhone app so if the power goes out, you can set it manually, even if you had to have a friend or neighbor and come over and do it? My concern is if I had one that was only ran on Wi-Fi, if it went out and it was 10 degrees outside, you know, that's the thing. Well, what is what is your heating system, Vicki? What kind of heat do you have? Um, well, I have electric heat and I live in an apartment and we control our own heat. Okay. But if you have electric heat, then you don't have heat if your power goes out anyway. Well, no, I have heat um, because if the power goes out, it the furnace is like out on the balcony. So no, I. Oh, still okay. Have, so it's like an it's like an outdoor furnace then that yes that uses yes. radiation or something to and, yeah, and the the thermostat itself okay. is inside my unit, uh, but it's when the power goes out. Okay. I believe I've always had heat. Okay. Because it doesn't run on, it doesn't connect to the internet or anything. That's my concern. Well, okay. Well, that's an easy one. Yeah. When it doesn't connect to the internet, any of them can be controlled manually. Absolutely. So some of them are going to have uh, touch screens while others have buttons. So, you know, that may be a variable there, but certainly a sighted person doing it for you. Yeah. That anything, any thermostat that in the home kit line or any automated thermostat always has the ability to manually control it. And that's just a, you know, a wise thing, not only for power uh, or, or for internet outages, but, you know, sometimes these companies do maintenance. That might be from, you know, 2 a.m. to 4 a.m., right. but still, right. you know, if somebody needs to control it in that window of time, then they, they still can physically control it. But unless you're, I mean, it, again, with the heating system itself, now, if it's like an outdoor furnace that uses um, some kind of, you know, like wood heat or fuel or something, then it's that it's, there's no electricity involved and it's using uh, uh, hot water in the, in the radiators and that kind of thing, then maybe we don't need electricity. But, you know, for a lot of heating systems that people are going to have, if it's electric baseboard heat or if it's heat pump or, you know, inside furnace, all of those things run on electricity. So if the power goes out, like I said, unless to. it's right. But again, maybe your particular system is not, you know, if it's a different fuel, different, so that is a possibility. So, you know, just kind of sharing that for everybody's knowledge. But the internet one, yeah, is a very easy one. You can absolutely control them manually. Oh, that's good. Okay, that's that's all I needed to yep. know. And because I didn't, yep. and I assumed they were all touch screens. And uh, but if you put labels on it, you could probably do it. Braille labels. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Vicky. Um, you have more questions if you want to take them, Matt. Uh. What, what was that? I'm sorry. Go ahead. My phone um, you have more. Sorry. It, um, you have more people who have their hands raised. Okay. If you want to, yeah, take yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. Abraham, you're now unmuted. Yeah. Um, I have a comment and a question. Uh, the comment is on the gentleman who wanted to know about um, if you can connect 
the echo to like find your phone or call your phone. And I have found a skill in the Amazon um, app that says find my phone. Um, you just enable uh, to the app and then you can ask it to call your phone, which I've done already. And also look for your phone if they don't want to get um, like an Apple HomePod or TV or whatever. And what is the name of that skill, just in case people want to? Uh, it's called Find My Phone in, in, the, um, okay. in the Amazon uh, Alexa um, app. Right, right, right. All right. Thank you for sharing that. I figured there and would my, be something, but I didn't know. Yeah. And then my question is, I, I know you mentioned the Apple website for all the HomeKit devices. Um, is there a website a place that sells like, um, like how accessible these third-party apps are? Like if you want to use some of them? Um, I would I would suggest trying to talk to people in the community who have done it or use websites like Apple Viz. They may have done okay. some, you know, they tend to do a lot of reviews of stuff like that. But for the most yeah. part, you're going to find that the majority of the apps are accessible. But also it's important to remember that 99.9% of the time, you will not need the third party apps to control whatever the thing is that you're doing. You can do it in the Apple Home app, which is fully accessible, or using Siri. So it's only in those rarest of circumstances where you really would even need the third-party app, you know, manual firmware updates and uh, things of that nature. Okay, thank you. Yep, thank you. And next we have Byron. Byron, you're you're now unmuted. Okay, can you guys hear me okay? Oh, I had to hit the button. All right, you guys can hear me okay? Yes, yes. we can. Hi there. Okay, um, I had one thing to share and one thing to ask. So I'll, I'll give my share thing first. Um, so, so you were talking, Cindy, I think it was, about needing to be able to tell if somebody's been in your home. And I did find out that uh, the A lady, I, I like to call her that in place of saying A-L-E-X-A. -E <laughs> um, I don't know if you have an A lady or not in, in your house. But there is a feature for that called guard. So you can say, A lady, I'm leaving. And if you've set up the guard stuff in the A lady app, then she will detect the sound of glass breaking, um, carbon monoxide um, or smoke alarms. Um, I think it will also alert you if it picks up any noise aside from the, the you know, the just regular sound of the room. Um, That's an excellent, excellent thing to point out. And I appreciate you sharing that. I am not sure on the last one you said. Yeah, I, have I don't know either. Reference to glass breaking, smoke and, and CO for sure. Um, so, yeah, I think that's an excellent thing for people. I mean, I have it set up anyway, just because I have an echo, you know, um, and, and so why not? Now, again, maybe there's a skill also that would, you know, it, but you would have to for that to work for it to like be a motion detector or something it would have to be an echo show you know if such a thing even existed it would have to be on the echo show or the spot because it would have to right. um, have a camera that would pick up motion so yeah that's a a nice supplement though <clears throat> to these types of things absolutely um or or you know if it, if it could be set up to detect audio i'm not sure um the other thing i wanted to ask you i'm not super duper handy i'm pretty techie and i can plug things in i can configure them but you know if i gotta screw something into a wall it's not my strong point. I did install my own my own video doorbell, but that that was that was a process. Is there a service that you know of that would install something like a Nest thermostat or 
mount cameras or, you know, do, do you know of any organizations or companies that I could hire? So I absolutely I have a couple ideas for you anyway. Um, so with the, with the camera example, I'm actually really impressed that you did a video doorbell. I, you know, I think a, a person who is blind or visually impaired can do anything they want. Uh, but I do believe sometimes it, it takes somebody to teach them to do it. And I've never that I'm not really what you'd call handy in that respect either. My wife did our, uh, did a lot of our stuff like that. Um, but I think if you could do a video doorbell, you could do a camera without any problem. Now the, the example of the thermostat is one that sighted or not, I always recommend having those professionally done because you're messing with wires that if you have even one in the wrong place, you could burn out your whole heating system. Um, so you really want somebody professional to do those. Um, and for that, there's a couple of different ways you could go. If you purchase from Amazon or Best Buy, they'll often give you the option to have somebody come out. Best Buy's Geek Squad and Amazon has, uh, I forget what they call theirs, but you can hire somebody. With thermostats though, specifically, I prefer to work with an actual HVAC place, you know, somebody who installs and maintains heating systems. And you could certainly, you know, find one in your area, or if you can't, you could, you know, I, I would just use Siri for that or Google or ask around or, you know, Angie's list, different options. But I tell you, I have had people that were not actual HVAC technicians and they always ended up doing something that had to be corrected by my HVAC person then. And so what I typically, you know, what, what, what I, what I would recommend in that situation is you buy the thermostat yourself so that you know it is exactly the one you want. So there's no question. Most times those HVAC people can get them too, but I would just buy it so I knew it was the right one. Then I'd, you know, I'd call them up and say, uh, you know, okay, I've got it now. Let's set up a time for you to come and install it. And, and that would be the way I'd go there. Um, with, with garage doors, that's another example of something that I had professionally installed. Um, I just found a, you know, an authorized LiftMaster dealer near me told them what I wanted and explained to them, you know, that I was totally blind and, and whatever else, you know, my wife was at work, my kids were at school when it was done, uh, but he did it. And, and they said, you know, I asked them, I said, do you normally put this on the Wi-Fi for me? And he said, no, he said, typically we ask the customers to do that after the fact. He said, you know, we'll set it up so that it works with the typical opener and the keypad. And I said, well, you know, if you don't mind, I said, you know, and I, I'd be willing to pay for it. I said, but if you, you know, if you don't mind, I'd really prefer it if you would put it on the Wi-Fi because I can't see and I'd rather it just be done. Uh, I said, I can do whatever needs to be done on my phone. I said, but I, you know, if there's whatever you need to give me information or otherwise, you know, can we just do it? And he was more than happy to oblige and, and didn't charge me anything extra to do that. So most of them are very reasonable, but yes, there are some third party, you know, like I said, if you go through Best Buy or Amazon, uh, they always offer that kind of thing as well. Very cool. Okay. Thank you. Awesome. So Matt, you have about 12 more minutes. If you have anything else you want to present on, or we could just take questions for the rest. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll just, I'll just mention just talking along those same line and then, yeah, I will take questions. I think that's, that's the best thing anyway. I love, you know, having uh, the questions and hopefully being able to answer them or, or, you know, point you in the right direction. Um, but I will just uh, say, you know, talking about those, um, those types of install projects that, you know, uh, the thermostat and the, um, what did I say, the garage door are the two things that we had professionally 
uh, installed. Everything else, my now my wife and kids are sighted, you know, but they did all of the, I mean, most of it was plugged. I don't have mounted cameras right now. I, I am looking at getting one for outside. Uh, there's a Eufy cam that says that it will run on battery for 365 days. I, I'm like, wow, okay. If that, even if it's, even if I only get half of that, um, that's better than what I'm getting with my existing uh, video doorbell solution. So I'm going to probably move to that and my wife will mount that. But, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff, and, and she installed the, the door lock um, and she put the motion sensor security system chime thing on the door, which is just a matter of a sticky thing that, you know, uh, but the rest of it, you know, was all plug in or, um, oh, well, the smoke alarm. Yeah, that had to be put. And, and they do make hardwired smoke alarms and they make just battery operated ones, you know. Um, so there's a lot of really, really cool stuff uh, that you can do. And it is very DIY for the most part. Um, now, there are people that will try to tell you that even a thermostat is DIY, but I just don't feel comfortable with that. I mean, I just think, you know, um, the risk is not worth it, you know. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll take some more questions if anybody has other things that they want to discuss about this. Or... Okay, it looks like we do not have any more hands. Um, Mika, can you let people know how they can raise their hand? I keep forgetting. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. Oh, we got raised hands now. Oh, so star well. nine on the phone if you're called in and um lower right hand corner on your app on the phone. Alt A on the PC and or Alt Y on the PC, just kidding. And options Y <laughs> on the Mac. See you messed me up, Matt. You're welcome. Okay. <laughs> you got hands now. There you go. Okay. Tyson, you're unmuted. Hello again. Um you're kind Tyson, of far away. You're from a bit mic. far. Oh, that's because my mic was up around my head. <laughs> <laughs> there you are. Love these swivel mics. Um, so with the plugs, uh, are do they make a hardwired version instead of something that plugs into your standard electrical outlet? Ah, that's a good question. I have not seen one, but that doesn't mean it doesn't. On that page of HomeKit compatible accessories that I was describing earlier, the list of smart plugs is pretty long. And of the ones on that list, um, uh, you know, I've only, I've only owned or worked with, you know, three, probably three of them. And it's a huge list. So there very well could be something on there that is a hardwired option. And, and I'm just not aware of it, you know, based on its name. Okay. Gotcha. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Sure. And Abraham, you're now unmuted. Um, hey, Matt, great presentation so far. Um, you mentioned you had Thank a video. You. you mentioned you had a video doorbell, the one you really like and would recommend. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm I'm uh, I'm in between recommendations right now on that. I we have a ring. Okay, and, and the ring okay. works very, very well. I, I don't have, you know, the ring is a good device. It really is. Um, and a, a very, very well-respected device in the, in the business. Um, I have kind of become disenchanted by the ring for two reasons. Uh, and, and let me start out by saying that hardwiring our doorbell is not really a, an attractive option for us right now just because of our setup. It, 
it's not impossible. It would be a little bit costly, and I would just rather avoid it. So we're talking about battery-operated right now. And what I have found is that in order to get the motion alerts that I want, um, the setting that I have to have the ring on causes me to get maybe 30 days of um, battery life. And there is a solar bracket that I've thought about trying. Um, I don't know if I get enough hours of direct sun a day to do it. Uh, my wife has had mixed feelings about that. But all of this kind of is, is moot for me because I really, really, really want HomeKit support. And I don't get the impression that Amazon, who's the owner of Ring, has any serious intention of bringing HomeKit to the Ring anymore. Ring had promised that they were going to, um, and then they were purchased by Amazon, and I just really haven't heard any progress in that area. And so, you know, I, I have thought about the solar bracket. It's not even that expensive. I've thought about hardwiring, but... I, I really don't want to invest any more into the ring system if it's not going to have HomeKit. So what I'm leaning towards doing, and there are some HomeKit compatible doorbells, but they all seem to be hardwired right now, which again, I don't want to do. So what I'm leaning towards doing is getting a very simple battery operated, you know, wireless doorbell on Amazon. They got them, you know, 10, 20, $30. And then putting one of those HomeKit compatible cameras above it which will give me the motion detection and which will give me the ability to talk to the person at the door just as I would uh, with the ring or any other video doorbell. And so it'd just be a, a two-part solution, uh, but it's going to give me what I want without having to hardwire, I think. So that's, at this moment, what I'm leaning towards. I'm not making any, you know, real fast decisions. I'm kind of hoping somebody will come out with a, with a wireless HomeKit doorbell. Um, but you know, that's, that's the option I'm leaning towards at this point is a, a simple doorbell. Uh, they got, you know, Sato tech and a few of these different ones that, you know, again, like between 20 and $30 on Amazon. And then, uh, this camera that I was telling you, which is the Eufy cam, I think it's EU, I think it's EUFY maybe. Um, and it's a, it, it claims to have 365 day, um, battery life, which as I said, even if I only get half of that. Um, I, I'm still doing way better than, than what I'm doing with the ring on battery life. So that's where I'm thinking at this point. All right. And we have our last question um, from Byron. Byron, I unmuted you. Hello. There okay. you are. Hi there. I, um, so I'm using, and it doesn't solve your problem as far as the, as the um, you know, battery operated thing versus hardwired. But I'm using Amcrest uh, video doorbell and also a mounted Amcrest camera out my side door window, you know, my, my side window, so I can see if any delivery trucks come because I live in a fourplex where my front door is facing the back, so I can't see the street. Um, anyway, the reason I brought them up is because Amcrest, you end up hosting the video yourself on your own network. And so I know some people are disenfranchised with... Um, ring and or nest because of some of the political things with privacy and sharing your footage uh, with law enforcement and various other things. Um, and if those companies ever go out of business, which I doubt would happen, but if they did, the nice thing about Amcrest is that I own the feeds. They're all coming directly from my home. And um, the only thing that is server controlled, and I don't know how you could avoid it, is your, I, I'm assuming that it, the, the push notifications that I get 
when there's motion because I had to sign up for um uh yeah I had to download the Amcrest app to be able to receive the push notifications from my doorbell. So I don't know if that would continue working after the server is gone, um, if it ever happens. But at least I can access my own video feeds um, and audio feeds, regardless of whether or not the company goes out of business or something. So and you know the the um, I appreciate you sharing that. And just to to supplement that, I will. Well, actually, do you have any questions first? Because I don't want to take your question time if if you have nope, a question. Nope, but... that was I just wanted to oh, point okay. that out. Okay. So just to supplement what you're saying too. Um, there are a couple cameras that, that are HomeKit compatible cameras that also are strictly local. Uh, one of them I mentioned earlier is the D-Link Omna 180 cam, and it is you know local only. If you want to store recorded video, you just have to put a micro SD card in it. Um, and the other one is that Eufy cam that I was telling you about. It actually comes with a base that plugs into an access point, and that is where everything gets recorded. It's all local. Um, and so you don't have to deal with, and now, you know, the HomeKit secure video ones use iCloud, which I'm very happy with, but, um, you know, I will just say, and, and it's not a, it's not a, a criticism of your comment or anything. It's just kind of elaborating on that whole subject and, you know, what, um, Mika had asked earlier about the privacy and stuff like that. A lot of this stuff I truly feel is really no different than anything else that we do in life, you know, whether we're sighted or, or visually impaired maybe more so because we're visually impaired because we might have to get in a car with somebody we've never met before or whatever. But no matter what we're doing in life, I think there's always going to be a degree of risk. Uh, for me, that's a, you know, anybody who believes in God, there's, there's faith, there's people that believe in all sorts of, so it, it alters your perspective a little, but there's always going to be some degree of risk in everything we do in life. And I think these, these things that involve privacy and security and, and, you know, cloud servers and all this, I think that's no different. I think that the risk is no greater. It's just maybe a different risk than, um, than there's ever been with other things. And I think that most companies, uh, you know, for the most part are, uh, even the ones that I, that I don't like as much as I like Apple, you know, I think that they're all doing the best that they believe they can do. I think that there's not a whole lot of, uh, malicious intent by the companies themselves. You're going to have bad actors, but I think people really are trying and they're trying to mitigate risks everywhere that they see them popping up. And so ultimately, I think with this, as with anything else in life, you've ultimately just got to decide, uh, you know, whatever that risk is, when I weigh the options, is the benefit going to far outweigh it? You know, and, and for me with technology, it does, but that's, you know, just yeah, a, a sure. little. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. All right. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Byron, for your question. All right, Matt, um, it is, you have done, you've been amazing. Could you please tell people how to get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So um, I do have a, a small tech business and I am a certified Apple teacher. I do offer support and training and consults on things like this. And um, we are, uh, you, I'll give you my website first. The name of the business is The Tech Juggernaut. The web address is ttjtech.net. So that's Tango Tango Juliet, followed by the word tech, T E C H dot N E T. And you can subscribe to the blog. You can get in touch from that website. Really, you can do anything you need to do. The other thing I will give you, it's also on the website, but I'll go ahead and give it to you. Any of you that have Apple devices and you're using iMessage, which is default on Apple devices in the messages app, uh, you can send a message to me at the tech juggernaut at iCloud.com. So that's T-H-E-T-E-C-H, Juggernaut, J-U-G-G-E-R, 
A-N-A-U-T at iCloud.com. I take support that way. Uh, of course, we're offering free classes, free virtual help sessions every Tuesday and Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the Zoom meeting ID for that on the website that I gave you or send me an iMessage to ask for it. And lastly, uh, we do have a podcast. It's called TTJ Talk. Um, and that is, uh, you know, an all-tech podcast that I do. Um, some of you had, had uh, heard Trainer Cliff last week. I didn't notice if he made it in today, but he has a, a podcast as well. It's Stir It Up, but Stir is with a U. So S-T-U-R-I-T-U-P. And, and he and I often work together. He's on our instructor team and, and so forth. So you can uh, check both those podcasts out when you get time on your favorite podcast platform too. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. And um, thank you all for joining ACB Radio. Thank you for listening. And I think we've learned a whole lot about making our homes, our homes accessible. Matt, thank you once again. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Take care. You have been listening to Matt Volbrick with his presentation, Accessible Smart Home. I am Byron Lee. You're listening to ACB Radio Live Event. <laughs>